This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. It's almost election day. Vote! And our election coverage continues. Wall to wall election coverage overdue 2016. Vote! Welcome to the spin room. I'm spinning around voting all the time. The spin is to go vote. That's the spin. I've looked at all the polls. All the polls say vote. If you are not in America, find something to vote on. Like, I don't know if there's like a. (laughs) mcdonald's is like asking you which shake you like better or something but go find something to vote on like just vote your conscience somewhere about something welcome to overdue this is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read my name is craig my name is andrew and i don't following other uh other works of media Mm, that I've seen. Ooh, that's um, pretty good. That's a pretty good way to say that. That you I don't out. know if we're allowed <laughs> to tell you who to vote for, but I think if you look at our body of work, you might be able to figure it out. If you read between the lines, if you take the first letter of the first word in every podcast over the last, like throughout 2016, it'll spell out a secret hidden message about who to vote for. So please do that. It's definitely Sam the Eagle. Please. Well, don't write in a Muppet candidate. Like, <laughs> or vote. I can't. <laughs> the Muppet. The Muppet platform is pretty wobbly. Honestly, like that show that they had on ABC didn't even last one season. Like, is that who we want running America? Not me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if you are an international listener, but you know folks who do live here, please just like. Call them or s- send them encouraging emails. Yeah, who calls people? No Just one. Everybody, Skype them. Everybody vote on November 8th. And if you like went and voted and you're listening to this on Tuesday or like later this week, like good job. I good think. job voting. If you didn't vote, like sorry. Sorry for making you feel bad, but you should feel bad about it. And all the people who already voted, good job. That's cool. Yeah, That's like a job. cool thing. Great job, everybody. We live in Pennsylvania, which doesn't have early voting, but if they yeah. did, we probably would have done it. <laughs> kind of weird. Everybody has to do same day voting. Yeah. Welcome to our state where you can't, You can, the state sells you booze, but won't let you vote early. Well, like your vote is one of the ones that matters, but you can't, you can only cast it for eight hours on one day. So good luck. <laughs> Oh, and oh. also the public transit in your city is broken. Oh, Have fun. I can't. I can't, Andrew. We could All do right. a whole podcast about daylight savings and transit strikes, but I don't think we should. What should we do a podcast about instead? We should do a podcast about books that um, one of us hasn't read yet, at least sometimes both of us. And we're going to talk about the authors a little bit, and we're going to talk about the book itself. And sometimes we read books that have been suggested to us by our illustrious Patreon donors, uh, and this one, this week, Andrew, I don't know what it is, you're going to tell me, but Nicole recommended it. What is it? It's called Magic Bites, right? By Alana Andrews. Did you just ask me if the name of your book was correct? Well, because all the, yeah, it's Magic Bites, because like all the, this is the first book in a series with lots and lots and lots of books in it. And it's all magic somethings. It's magic like magic, and then a verb. Magic, magic verbs. So oh. I wanted to make sure I got it right, but I did. Good I'm, job, I'm, Andrew. I'm particularly keen to the titles magic. These are some novellas. Magic morns. Mm-hmm. Magic steals. Mm-hmm. Um, magic stars is kind of cool because like stars a, as a verb yeah if it's a ver- like magic stars in an off-broadway production <laughs> of li- of i don't know our town i most of these could be what <laughs> well 
come on down to Grover's Corners. I'm the stage manager. My name is Magic. Your stage manager for the evening, played by Magic Johnson. <laughs> nice. I'd see that production. I would also watch that. Um, so what do you want to know? What do we want to talk about? You want to tell me about Alana Andrews? Because you did, you did some research about this. I did some research about Alana Andrews. Now, it is a contemporary uh, author. I said it because it's two people. <laughs> I just caught myself there. They are a they contemporary are a con- author. They are a singular contemporary author. Um, Alana Andrews is the pseudonym for a hundred husband and wife writing team, uh, Alana and Gordon. Um, and I think there, apparently, according to the internet, there's been some uh, confusion as to Gordon's name. Is it Andrew? Is it Gordon? Is it Beauregard? It's all of them. It's Andrew Borg- Beauregard Gordon. Yes. And it's pretty easy, like, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of confusion, like, it's pretty well documented, but you didn't find it, and so you assume there's a lot of confusion. I somehow found a bunch of interviews that that had taken different stances on the naming convention, and had not found the definitive source uh, of their Wikipedia page, Yeah, I guess he's... Well, and that, and that was backed up by like another interview where they laid it out pretty clearly. But I guess he was in the military. Andrew Gordon was, and they call you by last names, and so she just calls him Gordon, and that's what he goes by. But their pen name yes. is their two first names, so yes. Alana Andrews. So she is uh, a native-born Russian who moved here when she was a teenager. Um, as we said, he was a former communications sergeant. Uh, they met in college, and then writing kind of happened. They have this really long, like, how we got into the biz story on their website, um, which you can go read if you are a, a writer yourself and trying to break in and you kind of, like, need to commiserate or you have experienced this and it's helpful to hear other person's stories. Um, but they had had kids and she was not she'd kind of taken a break from school and was pursuing writing as they were kind of building their family and and going on that path and she had like two novels and tried to just do it like tried to just get it going Mm -hmm. uh and went through many many years of not getting it going (laughs) which seems (laughs) as many people do which seems to be like that's what happens that's the biz, I think, especially if you don't have like a lot of contacts or if you're not like immersed in that world already. Yeah, yeah, and it kind of seems like she went through every step of it from like the thing you submitted us has a lot of grammar and punctuation issues. Like this is easy stuff to fix, and then we'll look at it. To like you're not sending it to the right publisher, or you're not sending it to the right agent, or you better get a different agent. Um, and finally, I think after publishing what ultimately became this book as a short story, or uh, they were able to get picked up, and this was in 2007, I believe, then um, they were later picked up uh, by another agency in 2009, and then mm-hmm. this book, this whole series has gone on, like we said, to be like eight or nine books and some novellas and yeah a bunch of novels and novellas and eventually you start getting different character point of view cha- not chapters i don't think it's i don't think any of them are split up like some fantasy books are into like rotating points of view but you do to get, get different books from different points of view sure uh and this and the most recent one i think is like september 2016 so this sure. is still like actively being published oh yeah they are they are still at it i think read an interview where they were they live in they live in Texas now I think one of their kids is thinking of going to school in Australia like they are very active in their community of readers and writers so it's it's uh interesting to to kind of pop into that world for a little bit um yeah, just as a as a traveler pretty much done it looks like one novel a year since 2007 and then um, there are some novella, different novellas in that universe, like sprinkled in there, and then I think there are some other books and other series that they also do. So yeah, pretty pretty busy. They're at two to four books a wise. year. Yeah, um, and they as they they're they're a husband and writing team, husband, husband and wife. wife writing team, which I think is like 
kind of interesting. It's not like it's not clear. At least I couldn't find anything. I don't know if you found anything that they've said about like how the division of labor works. It sounds like the first one was primarily like written by Alana and then yeah. added to and and edited and like and and Gordon helped in the like in the publication part of it, but I'm not sure how that how that split for the first book and I'm absolutely not sure how it splits for subsequent books. So, so I did find an interview. Now I don't know what the naming convention for this interview was. Um but I did find an interview with them. This was on Fantasy Book Critic, I think. Um where he says, as far as our methods go, we sit next to each other on separate computers, and usually if Alana does a scene, I will read it and edit it. Uh, We plot stuff out and argue over things until we agree, which sounds like a good plan. Um, I guess as far as characters go, I tend to work more on the male dialogue, uh, while Kate and Rose really come from Alana's head. So it seems like they have a really fuzzy division of labor. Like they just decide that they're just going to write now. And it's time to write, and we'll let's see what happens. I guess if you like, if you trusted your partner enough, you could both just sit and write the same thing side by side, and then mush them together later and figure it out from there. Yeah, it was just like that's how you write like two novels a year is by doing it that way <laughs> by multitasking. Yeah, that would. Uh, I'm very impressed for them that this is clearly working, uh, and they've turned this into a livelihood it sounds like Uh, Mm -hmm. so yeah i don't know i didn't i there's not much else they have like as we said like three or four other series that they're churning out the hidden legacy series the innkeeper series the edge kinsman they publish online occasionally um short stories and other novellas but yeah this is the this is their main one yeah yeah and if you, is, if you know them, it's probably primarily for this one. Sure, sure. Okay, Craig, I want to tell you what I thought about this book, but before I do that, I feel like we need to take a break. I'm winded, let's. Andrew, I would like to tell the internet to vote, but I don't know how to reach the internet please help me the, f- the first thing you do is you go to facebook and you post about it and ideally like try not to be too racist or anything and it's really easy to change people's minds on facebook right right everybody okay. who's posting on facebook is interested in having an open dialogue and not interested in hearing from people who already agree with them. So if that so you do that first. That's like probably like 99% chance it's going to work. I'm worried it's not going to work. If it doesn't work, what you want to do is you want to make your own website maybe. So you do that by going over to our friends at Squarespace. Okay. And you build a website over there. Now, who are they and do they share my political beliefs? I don't know if they share your political beliefs, but let's say that they do. <laughs> Well, let's say it doesn't matter because it sounds like they ha- maybe they have a good product or service I might be interested in. Yeah, like regardless of your political beliefs, they help you put together great professional-looking websites. Um, it's really easy. They give you drag and drop tools and like pre-made templates, and so you can like you can pick the page you like the look of, and you can drag stuff around, rearrange it to really customize it to to whatever you need. And you don't need to do any code. You don't need to mess around with any HTML or anything. It's just, it's real simple to do it. Our website, overduepodcast.com, has been on Squarespace since we'd set it up, and we've, it's been a really great experience for us. Huh. Um, they give you seamless commerce tools if you want to sell stuff. They have 24 7 customer support, and uh, you get a free custom domain when you sign up for a year of service. So you can pick like vote, vote like Andrew and Craig.net dot biz dot angel fire dot geocities dot a u dot zone dot zone and you can (laughs) you pick a really snappy url like that and you get for free with your squarespace subscription i heard somewhere perhaps from the copy i'm looking at right now that i should start a free trial today it's free 
do it. But I should do it at squarespace.com and I should enter the offer code overdue to get mm-hmm. 10% off my first purchase when I want to buy. Yeah. But it's free now. Mm-hmm. So free to try. Vote internet at squarespace.com. Set your website apart. Craig, we're back. Whoa, I was doing something else. Hey, sorry. Here we are. We're back. Oh, no. All right. So we've said a lot about Alana Andrews, and they collectively seem like they've got a really nice thing going on. And I'm really happy for them and their relationship because, like, creating something together with someone you love is a very nice feeling. We can both agree on that, right? We can't. Are you breaking up with me? Like, what is happening? I I feel there's there's a tone. I don't I'm not breaking up with you but I am breaking up with this book because <laughs> like unfortunately okay. unfortunately and I am going I'm going to be like as detailed and forgiving as possible but unfortunately for the person who paid us actual American money to sorry, to read Nicole. this thing I didn't I did not care for this very much Okay, well, this is not a review podcast, so like, take that off your shoulders. We're really just here to just talk about what the book is, mm-hmm. but then also talk about your experience reading it, but not in a like, not a like thumbs up, thumbs down. Borrow it from the library. Yeah, like, I'm just saying, like, system. it's gonna. I'm trying to set the table right now because you just need to expect this as we as we go forward. Well, I'm gonna sit down um, at the table and eat mm-hmm. what you've cooked. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Um, so uh, let's start with some caveats. Uh, like we said, this is the first book in a series that's got like a bunch of novels and novellas. So like obviously one, this like resonates with a lot of people already. And I'm seriously not trying to tell you not to like a thing that you like. Okay, like, sure. Please, please like whatever you want and don't pay attention to me. Um and also, I feel like uh, there, there's a lot of potential for my criticisms about like world building and character building to be addressed because I sure. think it's like it, it does seem like you know it ends on a cliffhanger, not even not even like a cliffhanger, but like a uh, like here's what here's what's happening next here's we're leaving the door open for the next thing so it does seem like it was planned to be a series like from the start yeah from what i could read in the plethora of uh confused naming convention interviews that i found um they'd started with ideas for the first two books and didn't really think past that because of course they were trying to get the thing published in the first place um so and i've also similarly read uh people sharing your concerns about the world getting needing to get fleshed out and hoping for that as as mm-hmm. at, even as people enjoy this book so and i th- like that's really common in in fantasy books too i think like they they start out from a place of not explaining everything and i'm not even saying i need everything to be explained but the way that you leave those breadcrumbs for the reader needs to be good enough to make them actually want to like come back and learn more stuff about your world. Do you think so. that's a that's just a fantasy thing, right? That we that we come to this genre usually like hoping for a a cool take on what the setting might be. Not even like I just just like expecting that that's what there will be. Like a, when you come to a fantasy or a sci-fi book that's set like this one is set in Atlanta, Georgia. And so especially when it's set in like the near future or like an alternate future, what what the author needs to do is establish how this world is different from the one that we are living in or like how there's like Harry Potter style, like there's this other secret world that normal people don't really know about. You know well, what I'm talking all, about? Well, and that also does the, like, it's different from our world, but look at the ways in which it's the same. Yeah, you use it to, like, comment on yeah. contemporary but, stuff, which but, this book also does not do much of. So. But I think uh, fiction that is not in a particular genre, the way fantasy or sci-fi is, does not make overtures to this type of world building. It does, like, the, I don't think there is a Jonathan Franzen wiki 
maybe there is but i don't think there's one where like whenever he goes to write a new book like he has to consult the wiki to make sure that his like new ideas about birds or whatever are going to line up right, it's not in book. the not in the franzen verse no whereas i know that the where that alana andrews they have someone made a wiki for their series like there's a guide for their series so they if they need to they can go back and check something which might happen if you're churning out four books a year <laughs> yeah i imagine so like i know that um that robert jordan the guy who wrote the wheel of time like eventually he had to hire like basically a continuity secretary <laughs> yeah i think game of to thrones has one his, too yeah yeah to keep all his stuff straight yeah maybe i'm confusing him with george r r martin in this particular well, instance, Robert Jordan, I don't think I, I don't think they I did have to pick up his series after he passed. So you probably need something like that anyway. Yeah, right. Um, so, OK, so I've established a tone, I hope you've given I'm, your caveats. I'm going to be trying. I'm I am. Try, I tried really hard the whole time to meet this book halfway and I didn't like I just did. I didn't care for it that much. So here's like here's why. Um, so let's start with the kind of book that it is. It's sort of half mystery whodunit and also half like a fantasy book and no, like the first book in a fantasy series um so the mystery whodunit part is uh so kate daniels who is the like this is usually known as like the kate daniels series even even though later on you do get points of view from other characters like we said earlier earlier um she is investigating the murder of this guy named greg who is her like estranged legal guardian and he also has like supernatural powers and also okay. she does too okay cool <laughs> now you said this was set in atlanta mm-hmm. what does that mean what like hotlanta like what is what where are we we're in atlanta but like what's different about it there's magic please tell me more you're being so coy about the magic it's okay so so it's i think it's kind of a near future universe it's not it's not super well fleshed out because we just we don't see a lot of atlanta like we know it's atlanta because she says it's atlanta like a hundred times okay and there's this one sequence that takes place in like an old coca-cola office building you so gotta like, have well the yeah. one thing everybody knows about atlanta okay great sure um so so magic has like come back into the world i guess and it like not only has that happened, but also magic disrupts and interferes with like science and technology and the laws of physics and stuff as we know them. Okay. And so what you get are these these waves of what they call tech, which is, you know, when when electricity and light bulbs and phones and stuff work, and then these waves of magic where none of that works and everything has to be powered by magic. Okay. Um and it's it's it is we get you get eventually like you pick up through stuff that characters say and think that um that the magic has slowly been like taking over from the tech and that maybe this this world is is a place where these two forces like ebb and flow periodically okay like and i i don't know if that's like based on any particular thing like or if it's just like the tides you know i think it's probably this just kind of tide like yeah it's it doesn't sound like it's um the same type of like magic versus technology apocalypse that you find in most final fantasy games because that's like my schema for that where there's like some people like robots some people like magic and some no, is using yeah. too much of one of them and the world's gonna end. Well, in like in, in in a lot of those games, and also in a lot of other fantasy fiction, when you have magic users, I think this is maybe a D and D or an RPG convention. Even like when you have magic users, they it's often like pe- people individually who can use magic versus sure, who sure can't. And in this, there are people who are like innately magical and more magical than others, but also magic just exists as a force in the world that people have to live around. So like what if Harry Potter wasn't secret? 
I guess, basically. And also, okay. what if the waves of magic in the Harry Potter universe made skyscrapers and buildings fall over because they couldn't stand up anymore because physics didn't exist? Okay, I'm into it. That sounds <laughs> well, so good. This is, and I've got like down here at the bottom of the 800-word book report that I wrote about this. <laughs> You're turning into yourself tomorrow. I wrote under <laughs> good stuff. That um, the interplay between tech and magic is probably the most interesting bit of world building, particularly because um, like it's this is one area where stuff is not well explained. And there are lots of areas like this in the book, but it's one place where it's more to the benefit of of what's going on. Usually Mm. Um, there are bits about like magic working better when people believe in it more and tech working better when people understand it better. That's so, cool. um, so the people have cars, right. And cars tend to be a little bit more reliable because like when you own a car, you do just like pick up a certain amount of knowledge about it just through like osmosis and getting stuff fixed. And is that like, true? I, I, am, I don't own a car. Like... I am firmly of the belief that yeah, this is how I picked up like all my car knowledge is I firmly of the belief that everybody should have to have a first car. That's a crappy old beater. Ooh. That's always trying to break down like on the highway and stuff. Cause eventually you'll learn every single thing that can go wrong with a car. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But like phones, like, so Craig, you try to explain to me how a phone works, either landline or cellular. I don't care. Just like, tell me how you think a phone works off the top of your head. Okay. Well, let's talk about the fact that there's some sort of microphone Mm -hmm. that is receiving my voice and it is some sort of like plate or thing that vibrates that creates an electromagnetic signal sure right that that gets by the magic of computers gets turned into bits and bytes somewhere inside of a smartphone um and then that bounces (laughs) that sends a signal uh via waves um to (laughs) Uh, and I think this part, it sends it first to a cell phone tower, and then the tower bounces it off the sky to another tower, or the phone bounces it off the sky to the tower, and that's what? how we know that Adnan is guilty. And the tower goes into a wire in the ground that goes to my mom's house, and that's how I talk to my mom. That's how phones work. If you want to talk about Snapchat, I'm too old for that. So we don't, I don't know about how that works, but I think pictures are involved. I want to focus on a couple of the, just, and this is really hard to focus on just one part of that thing that you just said. But when you said like magic, you use the word magic and you use the word like waves. Yeah. When people's understanding of technology is like vague or loosey goosey. Sure. Like some phones sometimes work when like waves of magic are happening and sometimes they don't. And it's because people sort of understand how they work, but not really. Now, I need you to tell me if you're talking about the real world or the world of this book, because I'm I'm a little lost. I'm talking about the world in this book. (laughs) I'm not just talking about when you lose your signal on your phone. Because you also know a lot about how phones work. I just feel a little little, like flush cheeked right now because... You know that what I said was stupid, and I know that what I said was stupid, but I don't know how to fix it. So I don't know if I know how to fix it either, but that's, that's... neither here nor there. <laughs> anyway, that that the the, the way magic that of magic is and what I said. Yes. Tech bounce off each other is interesting, and it's probably the most interesting thing in the book. Now you um, also the... said that you you seem to like it because it'll. There were still some questions around what the characters knew about it like it's that yeah, type of it's world a, building like it's a double edge that's a double edged sword because because the rules of magic are so intentionally loosey goosey to like set up this this thing where it works better in some circumstances and not in other circumstances it like it often makes it feel like they're just making everything up as they go like so when you like you read Tolkien, you read you've read a lot of the, the other fantasy stuff that we've done. 
what Tolkien does that I like and that I think is maybe over like undervalued by the people who out of hand like dismiss him because there mm-hmm. are people who do that just like there are people who hate the Beatles and they're idiots but we still have to like live with them because that's just the world um what he does is like he has this whole meticulously crafted world hiding behind the curtains of his sure. books and like you find out more about that world through reading these books but it's obvious like he leaves little clues here and there that obviously there are things like deeper and and higher and and it's just like stuff that you don't fully get explained to you but like if you go and you read like the appendix appendices or cerulean sure. or whatever like all that stuff has been has been fleshed out in in some way in this book so there's like similarly there's stuff that you don't know and stuff that gets alluded to but you also don't i just don't get the same feeling i don't get the idea that there's a lot of exciting stuff waiting for me like if i know the answers to these questions because like one i don't know that they do have answers to the questions okay like i don't know that they have thought this stuff all the way through and two i don't know if they like had thought all the way through if it would be particularly interesting (laughs) well let's get back to the plot because you we got a far I'm field spend, on, like a lot of time not talking about the plot so well like, but the plot you, is almost secondary to all the stuff i didn't like there was a there was a murder mystery that you were sort of telling me about and then like that sent us to the main character kate so can you tell me about kate a little bit and like what her deal is kate is she's like 25 i think almost 26 and she's a mercenary she's a monster hunter essentially and she picks up odd jobs um, she almost worked for the like, the magic police. Okay, called the the order in this book. There's like an order and a guild and a bunch of different entities. You gotta have your factions, man. You got- she almost she almost worked for some faction of the magic police, but she didn't like she didn't like their button down lifestyle, so she quit. And she's just a sword for hire now. Okay, um, and she's. I've written this down too. She is a she is a clumsily shaded version of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets Han Solo, I think. Those are two good characters though. They so. are two good characters. So here's all right, so I've told you a little bit about Kate. Now let me tell you what I didn't like about Kate. <laughs> oh, okay. In a lot of these fancy books, a lot of the ones that you've read, so like Shadow Stomper, um Shadow Shaper, you jerk. Shadow Shifter, uh, The Magicians, Tolkien, uh, like Narnia, which you haven't read, but one of these days. The Dark is Rising, I read. Like, Dark is Rising. Okay. Like you, so the Maybe way I should that have the, read this book. Okay. The way that the, the way the books tell you about the world is often by giving you somebody like a protagonist or somebody close to the protagonist who knows as little about the world as you or just a little bit more. So there's like an audience surrogate character and it is kind of a cliche. It's or overused or something, but it's that way for a reason is because it makes it more organic to have big info dumps of exposition. Sure. And it also makes it easier for the author to like give you out these little dollops of information at intervals that make sense. Because they chart, because they, they line up with whatever other narrative milestones that, befall the character like on that on that hero's journey they will come up against a couple of different things and each of those is a great place to drop in oh but now you need to know this oh but now you've grown up and you've leveled up and now you know this Mm -hmm. okay okay so you do i mean you do get a lot of that through kate but also like she is a mercenary who's and her personality is very like I've seen it all. So not only oh. are you in the head of a character who knows like everything about this world, but she also is like sort of bored and jaded by it, which makes maybe which maybe makes sense for the murder mystery part, but not for the first fantasy novel in a series part. Maybe yeah, like it's it's kind of a hard boiled sort of Tana Frenchy kind of and I only say Tana French because we've read her. Like, obviously, that's a that's a trope in the detective game. Yeah, I'm thinking back going to going back Clark like a long way. Too. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay. Wherever, like a, a hard boiled PI be sitting in his office, and a girl, the lady, a dame with with gams <laughs> up to here would come in and Whoa. bat her eyes, and you just have to take the take the job. <laughs> okay. 
that that's how that goes. You're right. It Gam's is up to here is what you said. Yeah, Gam's up to here. <laughs> so Kate's perspective does not it's not very welcoming, you. I guess. Okay, okay. And it doesn't and it makes like the info dumps that you do get feel a little forced and unprompted. Like it's you get into that problem where it's maybe not believable that this person would be thinking or saying these things because you are inside Kate's head the entire time. You okay. hear her every thought and reaction and you see what she sees, which also gets you into like a sort of gone girl territory where you are being held at arm's length from information about Kate and the people she knows, despite the fact that you, you like are with her all the time. Does that make sense? Cause that was the thing that frustrated me about the beginning of that book was that you're in what's his name's head and you should know like whether he actually killed his wife, but you, but you don't. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> like which you don't is find that... out until that, until they drop it. Like, yeah. Until they, the dubstep like drop in that book comes <laughs> that like book, halfway through. Yeah, that book does have a dubstep drop, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but and that's like some that's like some fight cub fight club fight cub. I would watch, I would fight, watch cub. fight cub. <laughs> that's like some fight the sequel club to, stuff. This is a sequel to bad news or what, what? Bad news bears. Bad news bears. Yes, fight cub. Bad um, Be- bad news bears too. Fight cub. That that's kind of like some fight club stuff where you have it's the unreliable narrator stuff or at least like not fully fleshed out narrator stuff to create some dramatic tension that is does not sound like what's happening here or or at least not to a way that you found satisfying it's it's they're trying to pull you forward in the book and pull you forward till toward the next one because there are there is infer like core information about kate and i guess greg and like her family and stuff that you that is hinted at, but you do not actually get in this book. Okay. Okay. So probably you get more of it in the next one, but like she is, she is somebody important for some reason, but she's trying to pretend like she isn't. And you also don't get to know about it, even Does though you're in her head the whole time. already know she's important. Yeah. She's like intentionally downplaying stuff. Does she like being important, but she's just trying to keep it secret to keep it safe? She doesn't, I mean, liking it is maybe not the right way to think about it. I don't think she, like, wants it particularly. Okay, I'm just, like, I'm thinking through some of the archetypes. Like, you have the, like, Frodo will do it, but he doesn't want to kind of thing. Like, he doesn't like the way it She's makes a little reluctant feel. about it, but it's mostly, like, reluctance to get close to people. Okay, okay. So, in, in keeping with that hard-boiled detective thing. Now... I think the problem, like the main problem I had with the hard-boiled detective perspective is basically every character in this book has some version of this personality. Oh, okay. Like they all they all speak in barbs and witticisms. They're all sort of jaded. They're all very quick to anger. They're all flippant with each other to the point of carelessness. They're always about like two exchanges away from just completely killing each other Mm, mm -hmm. it's very samey okay and i think that again like this is a this is not only the first novel in a series but like these people's first novel ever i think yeah yeah and like dialogue is dialogue can be tricky like character can be tricky it can be hard to write like nuanced characters and some people are great at it and some people not so much and i i just I don't get a really great sense of any of these characters in her lives. Like they're all sort of, they all sort of have the same perspective. Okay. Stuff. Okay. And it doesn't, it doesn't help that you, um, so let's go back to like the tech versus magic thing. Like all this magic stuff exists. It's obvious that the world is much different from what we are used to. Like there are werewolves, there are necromancers, there are vampires, and we that, can get, that all seems reasonable to me. Yeah, we can like we can like get into that a little bit later, but also like people still go to restaurants like on dates. People <laughs> okay. still people still go out to take in a show. Like people still like Boone's Farm still exists. Yes. It would. It would in Magic Hotlanta. Of course there's still Boone's Farm. Uh, but it just there's this 
and this I guess this gets back to the thing where the world maybe doesn't feel completely thought out or completely fleshed out but like you simultaneously have all this like completely unchanged normally stuff uh-huh and also there are werewolves and vampires and every single skyscraper in Atlanta has collapsed so okay. like what like it feels like the world has changed too much for there still to be these, these like a recognizable things. Yeah, you yeah. shouldn't be able to go to like an Italian place on a date <laughs> in this world, but you still can. Like, hey, how honey. are you even? How are, like how are you even getting all this food? Like, there's so much different kinds of food that even goes into getting a hamburger, huh? Like a bun and a meat and a cheese and tomatoes and lettuce. Like you get that stuff from all over the place. How is this how does this work in magic apocalypse world? I don't know. I don't get it. Okay. Okay. I s okay. But it is it is like a the classification it gets is is urban fantasy, which I have I think not it just in- means that it takes place in a city. Uh, we talked. We talked about this <laughs> no, before. No, we did talk about. I it. think. I think the the running genre definition that our like bookseller and librarian friends should feel free to like clarify us on is it. It has like what you're saying. It has. It has Italian places. It has hallmarks of modernity. You know, kind of mixed in with the fantastical. And but I think I, like in the magicians, like there was a, just a clearer line. Again, kind of Harry Potter esque drawn between yeah the the non magical world and the magical world yeah it that was a like we go into another like area where everyone knows what magic is Shadow Shaper yeah had a had a was a little fuzzier because it was like yo we're still in New York but some people can see all the magic happening mm-hmm. and that that wasn't as clearly like a there's a Hogwarts over there but it was like in our neighborhood, there is magic, and people like can feel it, but they don't know that it's magic. Uh, um, like in this case, you'll be sitting there in your restaurant, and a wave of magic will kick in, and the tech will go off, and all the lights will go out, and then you'll have magical lights that are com- that'll come on. Or you'll be driving down the highway in your car, and the tech will kick out, and the magic will kick in, and then your car doesn't work anymore. Like, it's- oh, but I'm kind of fascinated by the idea that like the restaurant would be prepared for both scenarios. They like, are, and the people in the restaurant are like not really phased by it. So I am like, I do, I just want to know more about that's a cool one. Like, how the world got this way and how werewolves and normal people managed to exist in the same world. I, like, I don't know, man. Okay. Okay. But now, it, just, it feels a little, it comes off a little half baked in okay. this particular book. One of the other things that I've heard about this book, and I've I've also uh, I know that the authors are keen on this, is like Kate and relationships. Like, what's is that a big part of this book? Do you does it? Do you get the sense that that is a further development in the series? Is there a love interest? There are sort of there are love interests. There are relationships again, like her personality, like her relationships are all sort of same me. So she is she is a loner like by nature. OK. Um, The fact that she's looking into Greg's murder is supposed to signify to us, the audience, like how much he meant to her as a guardian. Right. Yeah. Even yep. though we get we get very little of their of their relationship. Like I think, I think well deployed flashbacks or something mm, okay. would have helped this book a lot, not just for setting, but also for establishing this relationship and why we should care about it. And then in that case, I was thinking about handmaid's tale, which similarly like throws you in the deep end at the start of this yeah, yeah. alternate future. But then you also get these flashbacks that not only explain like a rough timeline of what happened and how, but also gives you, more stakes and like informs the characters actions in the present day a little bit better. Yeah. And it allows you to let the current quote unquote current timeline, like not explain something. And then a flashback maybe doesn't explain that, but explains something else 
that you didn't know you wanted to know. And then you put the and, puzzle pieces yeah. together as you read the book, and by the end, you have like this full picture. Huh. Like, Handmaid's Tale was like that, and Infinite Jest was a lot like that, but this is not so much like that. Like, <laughs> Well, this is also a mystery, and, and unless you're, if you're doing flashbacks in a mystery, usually you're doing it to like shuffle up the cards of that particular narrative, not do the world building yeah i mean even if they even if they had just done it to establish these characters a little bit better okay like you do you get very brief like memories and and there is a one flashback earlier on but you don't get a lot of them after that and greg even sort of like fades into the background like it's ultimately the reason why everything is happening but she doesn't after maybe the first third or the first half of the book, like she just doesn't, he doesn't occur to her a ton. Does she have Um, like a main squeeze? So she has this regular guy who she sort of dates. And then she has this werewolf guy who like smooches her toward the end of this book. (laughs) Okay. Tell me more. So she can't, she can't trust regular guy. And she in fact accuses him of being some sort of horrible Uber demon. Do they, they have, have like, they have, do they like, have names and does he drive a car? For... His name is yes, they, everybody. This book is all like juxtaposed. So you got to know what like the pack and the capital P people are okay. and what like like V is and what loops are L O U P and what the order is and what the guild is and what the like, unicorn square or whatever it is is. Like okay. You gotta know all these weird names. Lots of jargon, sure. But sure. then also you gotta remember the difference between like Derek and Gre- <laughs> and Greg and Nick. So this is this is actually a a uh, an argument for the thing that I know my mom does not like about fantasy fiction. Burned into my brain is the time that we are talking about Harry Potter, and she said that she did not care for Harry Potter because she did not like all the wizard names. <laughs> which all things considered it's called harry potter like the wizard names are not too bad in that series it is not a song of ice and fire i'm i'm trying i am driving this home because that is one of the things that was like listed specifically in nicole's email to us so i, I at least want to talk about the relationships more specifically and then we can move on curran is werewolf boy okay and chase or chance or chance i god i hope it's chance champ or chompers <laughs> what's the name of normal boy why can't i find him <laughs> chompers Ch- chunk these are not it's crest no, it's not crest. No, it is crest. We went through all of that. Oh God. Okay. You okay? Toothpaste, Doctor Toothpaste. We'll call him because he's a doctor. He's a normal guy. Do are we picking up post edit or are we just going here? Uh, we're just gonna go. Let's just okay. go, man. Let's just like... go. You you're gonna take a look at this. But so it's it's Curran and Curran. C U R R A N is Wolf Boy, and Crest is a normal guy doctor a human man a human human man who is not a toothpaste okay okay Mm -hmm. and she knows them how what like she meets so she's so she's going through all this investigating and she's trying like there are all these clues and like there's this there's an m scan which is just like a scan of residual magic at the scene of a crime or something that's great and so you get like so is it the did the vampires do it and vampires I don't know if this is like a response to Twilight or what. A lot of contemporary reviews seem to think of it as a response to Twilight because the vampires aren't like sexy sparkly, but they're like monsters. And not only are they monsters, but they're also like piloted telepathically by Mm. necromancers. That sounds like the passage. Um, Mm -hmm. The passage, the like run of the mill vampires were just kind of monsters that were psychically controlled by like king like king vampires like a couple of them that's, that's more a, okay. or less yeah i, like I mean that. it's not yeah. it's not by other vampires but it is by like other magical yeah. beings so yeah sure it. let's, let's go with that um so she's trying to figure out like is it the and those are the people 
is like the necromancers who employ that's, and control that's a vampires. Cool name. Is it? Okay. I'm into it. All right. Maybe I wasn't into it because it took me like a quarter of the book to remember who they were and what they what the, did. But yeah. Sure. You're not steeped. I was not steeped in it. I get to like marvel at like a bunch of leech like creatures. This is my, this is my shorthand explanation based on teeny tiny bits of context that were doled sure. out to me over the course of the first third of this thing. No, you're right. Um, and then you've got the pack, which is not just like werewolves, but like were rats and were cats and all kind, and also like cat wares. So you've got both people who turn into animals and animals who decide to turn into people. And the important part about the pack is that they have decided that the rational, like human side, wins out, and oh. they so they keep control over their animal forms. Hmm, okay and can transform selectively and some of them can do it more freely than others like the like the handsome werewolf boy who kate is spending all her time with he's like the leader and he can pretty much transform at will without expending a lot of energy but then others like they can do it but then when they change back like they're kind of just down for the count for a while you say this like there is there a lot of sex in this book there's none sex. Oh. There's I no got my sex. I got my hopes up. Sorry. No, there's none sex in this book. There are, there's the thread of it a couple times, but it never actually oh, God. Nobody actually sexes anybody. So they chose to be people because they knew that cats and and rats and stuff couldn't eat at Caraba's Steakhouse or whatever I it is. Guess. <laughs> I guess that's it. Yeah, you can't go into Fazoli's <laughs> if you're a werewolf. <laughs> They won't give you the breadsticks. The magically unlimited breadstick bowl. You can't get it. Okay, so she's trying to choose between normal boy and werewolf man. She's not even trying to choose between them. She's just like, the the her relationship with werewolf boy is like explicitly adversarial until right up until the end. Okay. And so she goes on like two dates with human guy. And then accuses him of being an uber demon, and then they stop seeing each other, which is like that's reasonable. She's already kind of referring to it in her head as a relationship. It just seems a little fast. Huh. It maybe, and then maybe that's like a, it's a an indicator of how like take like caught off guard she is by her desire to be close to him in any way whatsoever, because that's so not her response to any other entity in this entire book yeah so like carving out time like she just like wants to bennigan's is a relationship she wants to let him in at all and so that makes her think of it differently than she thinks of other relationships um and also every other man in her life is somebody who she's like again like two sentences away from running through with her sword sure um so i don't blame her but sure yeah (laughs) What were we talking about? What were you asking me about? Just the relationships? Just, yeah, and that's that's been, for me, like, that's what I've read is, like, a thing that people have responded to really positively I, just, about I the need books. you to, like, give me something more more specific than like just what, relationships. What nuance is there or depth is there to her and particularly Curran's relationship? I know you said that they fight a lot. Like, is there, like, a back and forth? Is there an ebb and flow? He's always kind of seeking her out, I guess, after their first couple interactions. Okay. Um, And she helps out the pack and hates the people. And so it's like there is an uneasy alliance between these groups like Kate and them who that goes on that carries on throughout the book. And then like around halfway through, you'd get one like action peak. Mm-hmm. Where she is very like very selflessly does some stuff on behalf of the pack and like wins their respect for a while. Okay. Um and then like they're just like right at the end where they're suiting up to get at the big bad, like he turns to her and he kisses her. And Whoa. Then later on she's like, Man, that was a really that was a good kiss. Oh I, I guess I I'm oh about to die now. Okay, bye. Oh gosh. Fade to black. Fade to black. Or does it? Finish the fight. Oh, no. <sighs> um, 
What else is in your book report that we need to talk about in our last few minutes together here is on this earth? Else? I talked about the the Gone Girl syndrome. I talked about surrogate characters. I talked about my naming stuff. Okay. I talked about the the world kind of feeling underplanned. Okay. Um I talked okay, the prose is sometimes clunky too. Okay. So like when when I when you explain all the stuff that you pick up through this book, it does sound kind of neat and kind of cool, but you have to understand like it's, it's, it's doled out strangely. And also the prose is sometimes just plain. It's just sometimes a little weird, a little 50 shades in spots. Okay. Um, like Kate is walking through downtown Atlanta, a place where she is clearly familiar. And she says, she thinks to herself weird stuff like, having to walk two city blocks to get somewhere. And like if you're if you're in Philly or in New York or something and you gotta go two blocks to get somewhere, how you you'd say, you say I'm you're going go, two blocks. Yeah, I'm going okay. two blocks. I'm not going two city blocks. Okay. Well I, I'm not from Atlanta. I don't know if that's a different term down there, but <sighs> I don't know. I just, um here's just... here's a here's a phrase that I winced at. Uh, this was turning out to be a difficult night, and it showed no signs of being over. Huh. huh? <laughs> I would like that a lot more if it were explicitly sarcastic. Like if hey. the fr- if the use of that sentence was deployed as sarcasm, but it's clearly not. Is what you're telling me? Uh, moments dragged by with minutes in tow. Like what? What does that mean? Yeah, huh? Yeah. Wrap a brain around that one. It All right. sounds like almost. It almost sounds like a cool sentence, but then you realize yeah. that it doesn't like mean anything. That's that is a painting I want to <laughs> stare at and not be able to tell you about later. That's mm-hmm. okay. So I get what you're saying. Like the the moment to moment prose is not doing it for you, which makes it harder to get jazzed about what might be intriguing in the world building. So then mm-hmm. when you get to thinking about the world building, you're already frustrated. Um, was... her, em- her emerald green dress left no aspect of her figure to the imagination. She was neither slender nor willowy. When writers of sappy romances rented about glorious curves tapering to a small waist and soft flesh that begged to be explored, they had her in mind. All in all, her body was a far cry from my own. I wasn't jealous. My body served me fine. It was strong, resilient, and equipped with quick reflexes, which let me kill things before they killed me. One, get a little male gazy there, just a I, little bit. I mean, okay. And two, it's a very like sterile way to, and this happens like kind of Was all the time when she Kate's sees a point of view. Yes, it all everything is a hundred percent from Kate's point of view. You like when you see a person for the first time, they are described in a, in the way that you would describe them. If you were trying to ID them for a police sketch artist, like what? Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I did envy her hair, fiery red. It fell in curls and ringlets, shining with red gold all the way to her hips. I mean, that, that could just be a thing that happened, though. I don't know. Okay. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Just the the prose was a little clunky. Just a little clunky in some spots. And, and you'd mention, like, if if there were, like, basic grammatical things in, like, early drafts that caused it to get sent back like I, I can definitely see there being other awkward bits well and i think a lot of i think a lot of writers start from the 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 goal is to tell the story and then if they also happen to to tell to like turn out the cool sentence like that that's cool it's a means to the end of the story um so I, I can see someone spending a lot more time on the world and, and why you might be interested to go there and put the characters there mm-hmm. first, especially as you're getting your feet wet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the work of it, especially knowing, you know, and this is like a really good success story for someone who started writing in their in their spare time. Um, and I think that's an interesting thing to consider as this is like the first book for this team that then like spiraled out of control in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and like what 
I'd be interested to hear from folks who've who've read more of this series and might right, be like able I... to speak to how the how the just the the writer's voice grows, let alone what gets filled in in the narrative. Yeah, I kind of wonder if there's like a standalone entry somewhere toward like the middle or even the end of this this series of books that I could read to get like an idea of where it ends up. Yeah, I don't really like, want. I don't really want to read the second book because I feel like it's going to be more more of this, which I was not. It's not like my favorite thing. Sure, sure. But I would be interested to see like their their evolution as as writers and as world builders and yeah, because like you say they had the first two books planned, then okay, they probably just have this one story arc planned, and then when you sit down to write book three, it's like okay, now we're going to think a little bit more about the scaffolding that we're we're building all this stuff around or the yeah. foundation that we're stacking all this stuff on top of because who knows how long it's going to run and we don't want to be like contradicting ourselves all the time so like let's let's hash this out more thoughtfully I yeah guess. i wonder if it sometimes it's almost the opposite of what happens when someone like publishes their debut novel and it's like the novel they've been carrying around for 30 years and it's about their version of the American dream and it comes out and it's great and everyone loves it. And then they're like, wait, I need to write another book. (laughs) And they're like, Oh crap. What do I write about? Mm -hmm. And whatever, however you told the first story that was cool, like that worked because it was the thing you'd thought about for so long where Mm -hmm. it sounds like, the pace at which they're going and the amount of work that they're getting, I actually wonder if it's kind of the opposite where it's like, you're just, you're putting in the work and I bet that you're improving and kind of fleshing stuff out as you go. Yeah, I imagine so. And I know like we, we don't shy away like intentionally from sort of mass market pulpy, like Mm, pot mm -hmm. boiler stuff. Like, like the, like if you're writing a novel every year, like you're just you're going. You're not necessarily attempting to make some sort of high art that you think is making a grand statement. Like you are a working writer and yeah. that's and that's great. But you're also not making something that the literary establishment is going to see as like a great essential work of literary fiction or yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? Writing. Like I'm not trying to throw shade. I'm just like saying how these books fill a different purpose than like a David Foster Wallace book feel fills. Yeah, you're writing to get paid and to give something give people something that maybe they can enjoy when they have a free day to read when it's raining outside. Like that's mm-hmm. like what people want. Um it's like soap opera writers aren't trying to win the same awards that, you know, Oscar winning screenwriters are trying to win. It's yeah. a different it's a different thing. Well in a lot of ways like it's you know, I get turned off by super pretentious literary stuff too. So it's you know that's that's fine. There's room for all this stuff, but it's true you do. Like the way this book unfolded, I guess was just not so much to my taste. And I do like a lot of fantasy stuff. Like I, we've been talking about how different fantasy stuff has handled some of these ideas and concepts like in a better way. So I think it was just, it just. I just think the structure and like the writing and stuff, if it had just been a little bit different than it was, I think I would have been more into it, but I can see like talking about it at a high level with you. And especially if the, if the later books get like better, I can see why people enjoy this, the series, you know? Sure. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Okay. I think we should probably wrap up. So that's it. Yep. Cause it's, we were through daylight savings and I, I don't know what day it is anymore. So if you have a favorite urban fantasy novel that you think uh, might be relevant to our discussion, want to just like talk to us about it. Yeah. You let's could, just talk about let's it. Let's just rap about it. You could come email us at overduepod at gmail.com. I, I did not say rap because I said urban fantasy. That was a I, funny coincidence. No, I'm aware. Um, you could also hit us up on the social medias 
Um, I want to thank everyone who reached out to us in the past week because we did a two episode week. If you didn't check it, we got a bonus episode in there about peanut butter that a lot of people wrote into us about. So I want to thank uh, Tim and Tysophine and Lucas and Starfish Chick and Connor and Hoops and Catherine and Catherine and Johnny and Christine and Emma, Nate, Amy, Michael, Oot, Praksha and Valerie, Rob, Melissa, Graham, Saranoid, Taylor, Rebecca, Sophie, Tessa, Paris, 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 Christine, uh, Natalia, Elizabeth, Adam, Jessica, Russell, Amanda, Megan, Cindy, uh, Ellen, Amy, Johanna, Joan, Morgan, and Colleen. And I apologize, Paris. I that if that's not your name, then it was spell check that did it. Thanks everyone for sending us those messages and checking in over the past week. We really enjoy it. Andrew, if people want to know more about the show, where should they go? They should go to overduepodcast.com, which is where we've got links to iTunes and Google Play and RSS and Stitcher, all ways you can subscribe to the show. If you do subscribe in iTunes, rate and review us. We've gotten a few in the last week. One like disappointed one that I'm kind of glad that they were disappointed <laughs> and a bunch of good ones that that it makes us feel good that people are listening to the show. We and we like getting constructive criticism, too. Um, and it also helps us like the unfeeling iTunes algorithms push us higher on those charts. So um, keep those coming. We really appreciate them. Um, we've also got links to HeadGum, our podcast network, Spreaker, our podcast host, our Patreon page, which you can use to support us financially. We've got Amazon links to the books that we have read and are going to read. You can use to follow along with us. Um, We are starting to schedule out books a month ahead of time instead of two weeks, which often was just one week. Like we were, we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants, but now like we, we are actually finding that it's a lot easier to sit down like a week before a new month starts and just pick four books and then go for it. So, um, we've got all of November's books up there right now. Craig, do you have that list up? Do you want to tell everybody what to expect for I, the rest of the month of November? I'm making the sentence extra long so you can get everything that you need. I didn't know you were sending me to our website, but I know that I'm reading Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. And then uh, I think you're going to go back to Neil Gaiman mm-hmm. with the ocean at the end of the lane. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to close out November after Turkey Day with the history of love by nicole kraus excellent all right everybody thank you so much for listening thank you for tweeting at us and emailing us and we know we have we owe a few you email replies so look for that um this week and also look for some merch news coming up in the next couple weeks we are getting into the home stretch on some things finally and uh, we're hoping to be able to get stuff out to people before the holidays so keep an eye on our facebook and twitter feeds and we'll tell you more when we when we've got it Uh, We'll be back next Monday. Until then, try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.